Welcome to the first episode of the Youth Sailing Podcast. Today we have a very Helena Lucas. Helena, can you introduce yourself and tell us a bit of your background in sport? Yeah, hi Matt, hi Thomas. It's great to be here with you this evening. Um, yeah, my, obviously my sport is sailing. Um, I know you guys from obviously coaching you in uh, jets and also regional training groups. Um, but yeah, gosh, I mean, I've been involved in sailing for many 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 years <laughs> a long a long time so i i started saying for i knew how to sail when i was eight years old but i absolutely hated it so um it wasn't until i was 10 that that i really started to get the bug for it where did you first start to your sailing and, and how did you get into it so interesting enough i started sailing on a tiny lake even smaller than spinnaker wow. um called hedgecourt it's near it's near gatwick airport um yeah. and the club there is crawley mariners um it's a tiny little club tiny little lake um and it was it was my dad that got into sailing first just with a friend of his and then my mum got involved um and then obviously me and my sister got dragged along we didn't really have a choice so got got dumped in the front of an end of their enterprise that they had at the time which i think probably is what put me off sailing because it wasn't kind of the ideal family family boat um it used to get quite exciting downwind so um i think that might have been the reason why i was kind of a little, a little bit nervous i had had a bit of a fear of capsizing when i first started but i think it was something to do with the death rolling downwind of the enterprise but um, Hedgecourt is an amazing little lake. It's turned out some really good sailors because obviously I started there, but also Simon Hiscox, oh. silver medalist from um, oh no, silver medalist from Sydney and also bronze medalist from Athens in the forty nine oh, yeah. class. Uh, we grew up together on Hedgecourt, say um, racing against each other. We're, we're also really good friends. So um, yeah, oh. for such a small little lake. Um, yeah, it's amazing what it's produced in terms of uh, sailing tone. Are uh, you sailing, sailing any boats now, whether that's dinghies or bigger boats? Yes, uh, very much so. So I'm currently uh, racing on an 80-foot swan called Umaco. So uh, we've been doing, uh, a couple of years ago before COVID hit, we uh, did all, all the Caribbean circuit. Um, and this year did Sancho paved on the Swan Cup on her. And so that's really good. Really love that. Completely different kind of racing and sailing to what I've done in the past. So, you know, I've been on a pretty steep learning curve jumping on that boat, which has been fantastic. But we've also, both me and my husband, we've got uh, Wesley Ocean 33, which we did um, AZAB in which is um, an ocean race so it's a race to uh, the Azores and back so that was again a completely dropped in the deep end something that I'd never no, the longest I've been at sea for was 24 hours wow. um, and then did yeah the Aussie monthly triangle in the build-up to doing ASAP and we were at sea for 10 days on the way out and 10 days on the way back so yeah again a completely different kind of racing to what I've been used to and we've just literally bought um a little sports boat called projection 762 that my husband Steve actually designed um which we're really going to go and race and uh bash it around the cans do cows we around the island all that sort of stuff so uh really kind of do some of the, the soda racing in that out of all your sailing venues and how did out of all your sailing venues, and what is your favourite one? Which is your favourite venue? Oh, Tom, that's such a hard, that's a really hard uh, question. Um, God, I mean, we were lucky, sort of pretty much every January, the British sailing team used to go to Miami. Um, 
for training and then you'd have the what we'd have the world cup at the end of end of um january so i mean that was that was pretty special you know to get to get away from the cold weather here and go sailing in uh in miami it was pretty cool um oh, i mean it's really hard to pick so i also i love palmer as well um that's just an amazing place to sell so that that's quite high definitely high up on the list um and Fremantle, Fremantle always sticks out in my mind. Fremantle in Perth in Australia. Um, that was just, it was just the conditions there were just epic, like big waves. And also you obviously had the fear of shocks as well to just add to the whole dynamic. It was always windy. So you always had the Fremantle doctor used to come in. So awesome conditions, massive waves. But there was also that slight little nervousness around capsizing because of uh, obviously sharks and stuff like that. that everyone used to go on about. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've just been so lucky. I've been to some amazing places around the world. Um, so, yeah, so lucky to be able to, to compete in these awesome places. And I, I can't leave out Portland, really. Can't leave out Portland or Weymouth. That would be terrible because obviously I've got some pretty special memories um from the from the, that venue so um yeah i've got to put yeah, that on the list be a very popular person <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's got in t in the summer it's you know let's call it ybitha in the summer shall we yeah yeah wait with matthew you can say that about last year's nationals ah <laughs> yeah maybe well i think i think we might have different perception of it come february and our next uh rtg training camp there but uh let's let us what's what was your in, biggest event in your sailing career and how did you end up handling the pressure before and during it oh, i mean the biggest one's got to be london really um absolutely in 2012 um you know, it's not i mean obviously every games there's a lot you know there's a lot of pressure on on you for every games but i think it being a home games you know chances i mean there will never ever be on there'll never be another home games in my lifetime i don't think um to have that opportunity to compete at paralympics home games home waters yeah it was yeah. something yeah really quite unique and quite special and i think we we spent a lot we spent a lot of time trying you know very much focusing on making sure i was in the correct mindset for their games because we learned we learned some valuable lessons um so my first ever paralympics was beijing and that was it was a little bit disastrous <laughs> it didn't go according to plan let's say that and you know we learned some really valuable lessons from that and a lot of it came down to preparation and mindset and so we took the lessons learned from that and worked really hard um with my sports psychologist in the build-up to london and i think that the the things that we did really well it's good tip for you guys is routines were massive absolutely we I was absolutely ruthless in my routines and really had them nailed down and I mean you guys can kind of see you know to what degree um they were so important and again it just it really did take that pressure and stress away because you just go as soon as you started to feel the butterflies kicking in and starting to get nervous it was a case of right what's my routine what am I doing next what's my next thing um and the other big thing was just trying to normalize regatta and I think so many people because I guess it's like a world cup you know the Olympics are only four years so it's not like you can go oh I've got another chance next year like you have with the world championships you know it's four years of your life and, and training and preparation you've only got a limited number of games in your life you know in in your sailing career so everyone is really important and i think because of that a lot of athletes you know 
just get quite overwhelmed and think, oh my, you know, this is it. This is the big one. Um, and it's really easy to just get lost and, and completely um, absorbed in, in the pressure and the stress of the moment. So we really worked hard on just normalising it. So it's just another regatta. So around block toys we're living, you know, it's not a big deal. It's not life and death. It really doesn't matter. And and also I think being Portland, you know, just be like, well, you know, my house is just up there. It's just on the hill. It's just like, you know, it's proper chilled. Yeah. Um, and I think that was massive. So I think routines and being really ruthless with those and just normalizing it's just another regatta. Don't change anything, just go out, do what you know, um, and just stay in the moment, I think were the two really important things for me. What has been your biggest rival in every event you've done? God, that's um, well, God, I suppose in some ways it was. In some ways, I suppose um, Megan Pascoe in a way because we were always competing for the slot to go to the games. Because obviously, as you guys know, in sailing, there's only one there's only one team or one sailor per class that gets to go. It's quite different to like running and cycling and and those sports where you know if you qualify at a certain time or whatever you know you're in um so you know for that I mean Meg used to be you know she pushed me pretty hard for a selection so sort of the whole selection process um so it's weird because you go from being teammates and training together the whole time to selection time which I think the British sailing team are just about to enter now for Paris and suddenly you you kind of your training partner is is now actually not quite your worst enemy but you know your biggest threat to stopping you from going to the games so certainly Meg and then I think in terms of kind of uh the foreign um sailors there was kind of four of us that were always always on the podium always sort of nipping at each other's heels for the medals and that so it's myself damien sigran from france Heike kroger from germany and thierry schmitter um and it was always yeah it'd be one of us you know that would be up there and the, the lead would always change and whoever was dominating would always change and but yeah they were my major rivals for sure as a junior during your sailing what was your biggest event and result in it god that's a really good one um i guess you know so i was part of the youth squad and i remember i came second at the youth uh nationals um so then that meant so there was two teams that then went through into the youth basically youth trials to go to youth worlds right. unfortunately um we didn't manage to quite they switched it was weird so the whole thing was in 420s and then the youth worlds were in a laser two so suddenly that trial process we had to switch into a laser two and we were a little bit on the back foot because um storm and um sally cuthbert who we were kind of racing against for that spot had been pretty smart and they'd they'd um, borrowed or bought a, a laser two so they've been doing a lot of training in that whereas me and my crew like literally jumped in it that first kind of week and we're just like yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a, a shell shock, really. But I think, yeah, in terms of youth, that was probably, yeah, my my biggest achievement. Yes, yeah, the second at the youth nationals, and then you know making making it into a final two to try and get that spot at the youth worlds. How do you usually build up to events? So good routines, Tom. Routines again. Now I think again, it does come. You know, it's it's really interesting. I suppose if you, um, I mean, the, the best one is just sort of think about London twenty twelve and. What me and my coach Ian Barker did was we start we started with the games, and, and obviously you know the aim was to was to medal, and then we would work back and we would look at sort of events that were building up. We were like literally we we had a four year 
program and we would target which which events were um sort of outcome event which which events you know was quite important for me to try and perform at and you know we were looking to get a result on which ones were more about um kind of just you know maybe working on starting or maybe working on speed or something like that um but i think you know the build up you know build up to an event you know is really important first of all we'd notice a race that's always a good idea yeah. so you make sure that you enter the event um but i think you know it is a case of you know just reading all the stuff about it um again if you've never been there before make sure you know you do your research on the venue try and find out as much information as you can um about the venue have a look on google maps at the topography you know there's always um some sort of history or there's always some kind of venue guide knocking around somewhere if you google it and they're always um invaluable to try and gather as much information that you can beforehand um if you're lucky enough, like um, we often were, <laughs> being in the British sailing team, you often had the opportunity to go out early. You know, we'd often go out maybe a couple of weeks early and train there um, and put the hours in. So, again, I think the big key is if you're preparing for a big event, it's venue familiarisation. So just trying to spend some time in the venue beforehand. Accommodation is really important, making sure you're happy with your accommodation so that you're feeling relaxed, you're, you feel happy, you feel you're in an environment that you know um, and it's really familiar. And then it's, you know, it's just then about just making sure you've got your routines in place. Um, you know, you've got your, um, you know, it was, it was crazy. Like with my coach, I'm not joking, we'd work back and go, right, okay, we literally, right, start time here, literally work all the way back to what time do you want to get up? what time you're gonna have breakfast and we literally have that and be okay right cool write it out stick it on the wall we know what we're doing um and again it just means that you don't it, again just coming back to the routines again it means you don't miss something or if something happens you know and the car breaks down and you're running late you know you factored in a bit of that and you can all you can always go right what's the most important thing i need to do this I need to do that um and you can work out the things well, i haven't got time for a cup of tea forget about that I've got to go check the notice board and it, it, it just really helps you you know it takes that stress away and if something does unfortunately go a little bit wrong you've got that backup plan yeah I still remember going to Rutland for NS5 I didn't check the venue guy they turned on the whirlpools going downwind I went through hoping I was going to get something from it and I ended up pitch holing halfway through it <laughs> stay away well. from the whirlpools <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it, it is just, I think it is about, you know, before you get there, just gathering as much information as you possibly can. You know, even if it's down to, you know, finding out what the local restaurants are like, or where the supermarket is and things like yeah. that. You know, not so important for you guys as juniors, but, you know, your parents will probably do that for you. But as you get older and you start driving yourself to events, you know, it's just gathering all that information and particularly, you know, the stuff about, you know, the venue what's you know what the what the water's like how warm is it going to be you know what's the prevailing wind direction and wind strength all of that sort of stuff just so you can start getting your head around it and start building a bit of a plan before you arrive we all know on the boat you want to be carrying stuff like water on the boat but what would you put in the boat and what would you put inside of the coach boat i think is yeah as you say obviously water and, and and a bit of food is pretty important but i think some spares some key spares and shackles shackles always get you out of jail uh some little bits of rope as well uh, maybe a couple of little blocks just like if 
you know, if something breaks on your boat and you can't find, you know, you could even fix it during a race. Uh, tape as well. Tape's really important. Um, so I think a little spares bag or some key things that could even help you fix your boat during a race or even, you know, as soon as you've crossed that finish line, you're not wasting time trying to find your coach. You could actually try and get on and fix it yourself. Um, it could be the difference, you know, between, you know, finishing a race, missing a race, you know, it could be massive. Um, so I think, you know, a little bag of spares that you think wisely what you put in, what, what, what are the things that often break on the boat that you sell? Um, and what, you know, what could get you out of jail, basically? Yeah, I yeah. certainly had a spare kicker saved me at a national event before. So that really helps. Yeah. yeah, and you can, you can still, you can still the blocks and the rope and all that sort of stuff yeah. off that kicker system and fix yeah. it. You and, and the shackles and stuff and use it to fix it, you know, use it to fix something else. So, yeah, I mean, something like that is, is ideal. If you were telling somebody about fixing, what are things to keep an eye on that would break? quite easily went out on the water copper specific or any boat specific go any boat yeah God, i mean i think yeah. you know the the obvious one is always check your ropes yeah i mean that that's pretty easy check your ropes for any signs of wear um and don't just go oh, it'll be all right you know as soon as you see a rope starting to wear through just replace it um i think the other one is just, you know, checking your blocks again, just making sure that there's not a split. Um, they're running properly. Cleats as well. Again, sometimes the springs go in a cleat and they won't work. So just again, and all you've got to do is just snap a rope or even snap your finger through and just make sure that the jaws of the cleat are working okay. Um, the UJs on tailor extensions, they're a classic going so again just making sure you just before you go out you check that there's not can only get like starts with a little crack and then it starts to split and then yeah next thing you know you've got tiller extension in your hand yeah. um and i think the other one to just check is constantly check your spars so be really careful with how you wash them because i think quite often everyone loves washing the boat now because that's the easy bit and they don't properly wash the masts and the booms down and, th and they tend to be the ones that corrode and break so again just looking for corrosion around kicker fittings i mean kicker fittings are typical ones aren't they any any areas that are highly loaded so any area you know where your kicker attaches where your downhaul attaches those sort of areas and really check for any signs of cracking in the metal or yeah it's sort of little bits of crazing that sort of stuff um and just make sure you wash particularly any any metal you wash really well because they tend to be really bad for corroding and then uh, and then next thing you know you've got a broken mast who's the best person you've been coached by it's got to be ian ian barker or nicknamed billy barker um yeah he was just brilliant and i think for I mean, one, you know, he'd been there, done it. You know, he was a silver medalist um, in Sydney. So he he knew what it took to put together a medal winning program, um, but also knew what it took to actually deliver it. And I think, you know, he really brought that to 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 my program for London. Um, and also, I think the big thing with what I really liked about him was, you know, if he if he didn't know something, he would say so. So he wouldn't pretend or make something up which some some coaches do do 
um because they feel like i think you know some coaches feel like they need they have to have all the answers and there's no way that any one single coach has all the answers you know a coach might be a, you know particularly expert in one area but you know we can another like for instance ian would say if you end up in the protest room go and find someone else i'm, I'm, I'm rubbish at the walls don't <laughs> go and talk to um uh, go and talk to Gowers or someone like that. Don't talk to me. I'm rubbish. Um, so he would, you know, he'd be brutally honest, you know. And if he didn't, if he didn't know something, he'd be like, "Brit, you know, great question. Let's go and find out the answer." Or he might say, "It's not, it's not important. Forget about it." And I think for me that was really important because it then I then built trust in him yeah. um, and respect. So you know, if he told me something or he said, "You really need to do this," you know, I I believed him and I did it. Um, cause I knew that he wasn't, you know, he, he, he was, he was, um, yeah, he was, if he was ever direct with me, I knew it was something that I really needed to do. Most of the time, you know, we'd discuss stuff and, you know, it'd be a joint decision, but every now and then he'd be like, this is really important. You, you need to do this. And, you know, it'd be like, okay, brilliant, fine, I'll do it. And it, it was because he built that trust. Um, but yeah, definitely, um, amazing, amazing, at, um, setting up boats. You want to go fast you get in barker involved um he's he's amazing for stuff like that he's got he's got a real eye but then he's got a, a brilliant way of being able to explain and teach you what you're looking for we all know before sailing events and during a long weekend you have to make sure you've got the right meals so if you had any choice of what to have what would be your go-to meal oh, does it have to be the right meal or can it be the, the meal that i enjoy the most <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, it's probably the healthiest. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, i let you into a little secret. Like, uh, Ben Ainsley's go to meal before a big event is a Chinese. Oh, I'll go out for a Chinese, yeah. But you know, uh, you've got rice there, you've got protein, yeah. you know, yeah. it's not so bad. So, um, yeah. you know, I guess, um, sometimes, guys, it is, I think it's about what you enjoy and what you like sometimes um but you know I, I do love pasta so you know any, anything with pasta I do I do like a Chinese so um yeah so my you know my, Ben Ainsley you know what yeah but Ben Ainsley's yeah so I think um <laughs> that was his kind of I think I think his Chinese was like his lucky meal so it was yeah. kind of like it, you know it was tradition that was a meal we had the night before big event Chinese you know because yeah. it you know a bit the odd little Chinese would be all right because uh, you know he's obviously been eating incredibly healthily before that but yeah. you know I think in terms of you know performance um you know I think you know pasta is always a good one but then rice is good as well you know so yeah. as long as you've got a bit of protein a bit of rice a bit of pasta or something like that um yeah I think um yeah it's all good but yeah no I do like a, a spaghetti bolognese is always good isn't it yeah. With a bit yeah. of garlic bread on the side as a yeah. Or lasagna. Oh, I do like lasagna as well. Yeah. Well, now you're making me hungry. Yeah, got to try yeah. Hunt a Good restaurant in the area. Well, yeah. Big Google Maps when you get off the water. That, that's part of your preparation beforehand. Yeah. Yes, what, what you're doing yeah, before you go to the yeah. menu. Yeah. yeah, or just eat or Uber Eats if you're looking for your Chinese. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is it like coaching toppers or the British sailing team? Oh, uh, you guys are great, you know, and, and, and for me, I guess going back to Toppers was really going back to my roots because that was the first boat that I really, I really started racing in. Um, so it's been, it's been a lot of fun and I really enjoy it. And I think you guys, you know, the, the juniors, you're like sponges. And, and so it's, 
it's really good because you're not you're not stuck in your ways yet you you know you you yeah. want to learn you haven't you know and 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 we're kind of at that stage where if you've got a few little bad habits it's easy for us to kind of get rid of them and um make sure you kind of go off down the right track so but sometimes the more you know senior sailors are a little bit stuck in their ways you know they've been doing it a particular way for years and years and years and less reluctant maybe sometimes to experiment um and uh try new things um whereas i think with you guys you know in the age that you're at you're really happy to just think out the box try something different experiment and and be um be almost a curious in 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 different aspects to the sport which is fantastic but um it's interesting because i did do a bit of coaching um for the 470 squad and it's it's a lot less planning yeah, yeah. <laughs> it takes a lot more planning for for you guys and the juniors but i like that whereas you know with with the senior squad it's very much their their program is very much sailor driven so it is a case of turning up and saying well, what do you want to work on today you know and they'll know exactly what they want to do and the specifics and that sort of side of it so for me it was is more about sort of facilitating it and making it happen and then going out observing and you know trying to help them improve and and, and look at the differences and stuff like that whereas i think with, with you guys it's um and a little bit more planning involved which um which is fine and i love and um both are both are really enjoyable and both are, both have their own challenges and stuff. Outside of sailing, do you have any other sports you've played or are playing? Well, ski, I love skiing. Absolutely love skiing. Um, so, yes, that's very high on my list. And cycling, I really enjoy cycling a lot. And I do actually do a lot of running as well. Um, I, it's funny. It's it's, I think it's time. I'd love to actually play some some other sports. Like at school, I loved like netball and hockey and stuff. And it is, I think the hard thing is kind of when you leave school, finding a club and finding the time, especially kind of, in, you know, if you, if you decide you want to go down kind of the Olympic route and, um, and uh, just, you know, basically be a full-time athlete, it's finding the time to kind of do those other sports is really hard. So kind of, I guess cycling and running become a big part of my life, kind of purely from a, a fitness point of view for sailing, but stuff that, you know, I've, I really enjoy doing anyway. And then skiing, windsurfing, I've done enough of that though. I'm a bit, I'm a bit of a worse, I'm a bit of a warm weather, windsurfer yeah. so uh yeah I, i'm tending to to only windsurf in the summer and uh or at warm at warm venues so uh in the winter when you know the best winds are and i should be out blasting around i'm like oh it's a bit cold so um but yeah no i love windsurfing that's fun what do you do outside of sailing when you're not coaching at the weekends planning <laughs> planning for you guys um yeah no yeah certainly i mean it's, it's interesting because i you know normally kind of on that monday uh before camp i'll be thinking and planning you know what we're going to do at the weekend and stuff and then the monday following a camp i'll be going kind of through the obviously the key points from the weekend and the videos and that sort of stuff so it's amazing how you know that sort of takes up a bit a bit of time but but otherwise um you know if i'm lucky enough if the if if there's if the swans racing you know hopefully i'll be away racing on that at some point um i'm also a, a race coach level two instructor so i'm often delivering some courses on that um and i'm also doing doing some um Killboat coaching, some uh, basically coaching for the London Corinthian Club because they want to enter three three boats into the fast net. So 
it's still it's still all kind of coaching isn't it but you know in my downtime I mean at the moment I seem to be doing a lot of decorating uh decorating our house and then to be honest the rest of the rest of my time is taken up working on our boats um they're like I boat work never ends it never stops there's always something to do so um yeah I'm either working on boats working on, on houses or coaching it seems to be at the moment we're heading into a really busy 2024 with ocean race fastnet and multiple other things this year do you have any plans for the future in any of these events gosh yeah I don't know I don't know maybe I, yeah probably at some point we'd quite like to do a fastnet um ocean race oh, I don't know. i'd like to do a leg i yeah. do a leg i don't know what yeah. to do the whole thing um yeah i think that you know that is that's tough and, and having done azab you know that was it was an experience you know it, it was an experience <laughs> did i enjoy it there were moments i mean i think it's like with everything there's moments where you enjoy it and there's some you know really special moments and there's some moments where it's you know it's you're like what am i doing here why am i doing this um that yeah i think with the ocean race it would be a case i'd like i'd like to do a leg i don't think i'd yeah. want to do the whole race um but fast now i could see myself doing that at some point probably yeah you see the speeds that some of them get up to and the amount of spray that comes over the front if you're if yeah. you're bow man it's oh, just it's it's, yeah. it's miserable absolutely <laughs> yeah. miserable just like it's on one, your of own. These, yeah. one of those things like i'd like to do a day in the southern ocean only yeah. a day because yeah. I, you know, I wouldn't want to do the whole Southern Ocean leg, because as you say, it'd be like absolutely right, like freezing cold and all that stuff. But if you could yeah. do a day, get helicoptered in, do a day on the boat, it'd just be awesome, wouldn't it? And then helicopter yeah. that off and go and have a hot cup of tea <laughs> and uh, a bit of cake. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, that'd be my kind of thing. So you get that. If, it, if you had to pick a leg of the Volvo Ocean Race, which one would you do? God, that's, oh, Tom, that's really hard because again, they change every in year. Some, yeah, I mean, in some ways, I'd love to do. In some ways, I'd love to do one of the legs in the Southern Ocean for that just crazy experience. Um, I think that's what I think I would. If I was going to do a leg, it would be like I'd want to push myself, and I'd want to. I'd want to do a leg that you know it would be a case of completely different to anything that I'd ever, I'd ever considered doing probably. Um, yeah, I mean, round Cape Horn would be quite exciting as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would I be. think I'd, I'd probably, if I was going to do it, I'd, get it, I'd probably do one of the crazy ones yeah. where you really push yourself to the limit, knowing that I'd probably never, ever do it again. Yeah. <laughs> the experience would be enough. Yeah. Don't you think it'd be fun to do the final leg? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the bio, I hadn't really thought about that, actually. The final leg, yeah. Yeah, no, it would be, yes. Yeah, and actually that... Yeah, that final bit in. Yeah, no, you're right, Tom. That that would that would be up on the list for sure. Thank you, Helen, for giving us the opportunity to talk to you. And is there anything else you would like to say before we end? No, it's been a pleasure talking to you both. It's been great fun. Um, have an amazing Christmas and um, keep keep sailing, keep training. Yeah, it's, uh, we've got a bit of time off now before our next uh, next camp, but um, keep in, keep enjoying getting out on the water, even yeah. if it is a little bit cold. <laughs>